today's the thought of the sermon is believers versus make-believers. And as the different ones, the sowing of the seed, some fell on stony ground, some uh, fell on crowded ground. And you, you read that, and that was Jeff a few weeks ago. And what you get there, if you look at it, it's kind of discouraging because is they're throwing the seed out and only about one-third of the seed comes up. But I think what we are seeing, even though you sow and maybe only one-third is good ground, don't stop sowing. Don't stop sowing. Keep sowing. It's important to sow. Don't give up on sowing. Then he talked about, uh, Sam talked last week about the... Uh, the sower went and he sowed his wheat, and in the middle of the night, this enemy came in and sowed tares, and he explained very much how the tares look just like the wheat. You, you can't tell them apart. And I love the part at the end where he said, as, the, as the, they, they come to maturity, what, where you can tell the difference, he said you can't snatch them up when they're young because you might snatch up the wrong thing. You may not be sure. And another thing is, when we first start off, we don't all look very wheat-looking, right? Some of you don't look like Christians every day. Well, my Lord, some days I don't even look like a Christian. It's more than a look, right? It's, it's a being. And some days I don't pray enough, and some days I don't... You know, some days I don't... And so if you pick me on my bad day... I heard a guy preach one time about... <clears throat> We all go through winters. And, you know, you go through the winter, and if you were to look out in your yard, you go, that tree out there's dead. I think I'm going to go out there and cut it down. And, you know, you may be cutting down a really good tree. It just, it's in a season of its life that it appears to be dead. How many is either there right now or been there before? There's not much fruit. There's not much leaves. There's not much going on. And, you know, you're not at the pinnacle of your Christian walk. Well, we all go through that. So there's times that if someone were to judge us during our winter season or they were to judge us when we're down, they go, well, they're not much of a Christian. And that's true. Sometimes we're not. But there comes a time, there's coming a harvest day that we are to bear fruit. And, and Sam so beautifully put it that when they come into harvest, the real wheat begins to bow over. And I really think when the closer we get to the end of time, that one of the things about the good wheat, the good children of God, the people that are really seed after God, I believe that there will be a bowing spirit in all of us. We'll realize that nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I cling. It's not about me, it's about Him. It's about God, it's about what He's done in me. And so we're not there with this proud spirit, we have a very humble bowing spirit about us. And so we want to get in this parable and uh, look at the uh, parable about the mustard seed. And it's found, we're going to be going to Matthew, uh, the 13th chapter 31. Is that what we got up there, Jeff? He said, he, he told them another parable. Uh, we're actually showing the Mark comparison to this. And I'll be reading from the uh, Matthew, but follow along because it's shared in different places. He told them another parable, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field, though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of the garden plants. 
and becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in the branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into her six, uh, into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. That's all I want to share right at this time. And I want to start off talking about that mustard seed. Somebody said, well, what are you preaching on today? And I said, the mustard seed, but I really don't know what I'm preaching about because, you know, all the, all the commentaries are all different about this thing called the mustard seed. And, you know, they're just all kind of stuff. So I go and which, you know, which commentary. And it's like this old guy come up and told the preacher, he said, I'm telling you that their word that you've been sharing, that Bible, that Bible, uh, it, it really shines some light on them commentaries. <laughs> and we think in terms of the commentaries shining some light on the word of God. But, you know, have you ever heard a politician gets up there and he slips and tells the truth sometimes? And uh, it, it happens occasionally. He slips and tells the truth. And then there has to be this spin master get on there and go, well, uh, he said that, but what he really meant to say is this. Ain't that what you meant to say? Yeah, you meant to say that. He meant to say that. And you know what? Jesus, when he come, they were expecting certain things out of him. And he wasn't ex exactly what they expected and they definitely didn't expect him to come out of Nazareth because you know nothing good came out of Nazareth you know a lot of people you come from towns you don't want to tell people about <laughs> right how many of you from Mayland <laughs> no I'm joking I'm joking it's a beautiful little town <laughs> but you know you think well nothing good can come out of that little town Nothing good can come out of that town. So Jesus didn't fit the, he didn't come from the right town. Uh, he was born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth. And like, you know, who comes out of that little town like that? And he, he's not the guy that we expect him to be. And so Jesus gets out and he's starting some of his public ministry. And they go, hey, Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they need to talk to you right now. And I read one commentary, and they said, really what that was is an intervention. How many of you would feel like, you know, if your family was having an intervention about you, how many would feel absolutely messed up if your family was doing an intervention on you? <laughs> but they, if they said that what it was, they were saying, uh, uh, wait a minute, Jesus don't mean that, what he was saying. Uh, let us get him out here, and we'll talk to him, and... And he says, who is my brothers and my mother and my fathers and my brothers and sisters, but he that doeth the will of the Father. So when we share the truth, it don't need much explanation. Jesus kind of tells us what it means when he gave it. But you know, it's amazing today. There's so many things in the word of God. People wanted to say something different. Oh, he didn't mean that. He, he didn't mean those people are not right. He didn't mean that. What he meant was... And so people write these neat little commentaries to tell us what Jesus didn't mean. And actually, Jesus did mean that. The thing about the, the mustard seed, the mustard seed being the very small seed that it is, and we're leading up to these previous parables, the parable description of the kingdom of heaven. Some people even believe that these seven parables about the kingdom are not only earthly stories, but they all have woven in them some eschatology. They would have been asking, give me a sign. And he said, I'll give you a sign. Uh, Jonah spent three days in the belly of a fish, and the Son of Man is 
will die and be three days in the earth and he'll rise. And they're saying, but he said, you adulterous and perverted generation, you need a sign. You need a sign. And so he interwove, and some people believe that the way he told these parables was how the word of God, the seed of God, is going to be received over a period of time. Like the seven churches of Asia Minor. They're not just seven churches, but those seven churches, some people believe that is the way the church will progress. I don't know, so that's some of the commentators, some of the things they say. But we know that he told about this parable, the first, the parable of the sower and the souls, and he discovered that, you know, about one-third of the seed will fall on good ground, good hearts. But even though you were to share the word of God and only one-third of the people you talk to come to Jesus Christ, he says, keep on sowing. That's what I think he's saying. Keep on sowing. Doesn't matter. Their heart may not be ready now, but one day their heart may be ready. So you just keep on sowing. Don't judge your success on how many people respond on that given day. Keep on sowing. He's talking to a handful of disciples. He also tells them, he said, you know, I didn't pick the smartest guys. They're going, good thing. And he's saying that to us today. When I get to heaven, you know, <clears throat> I know God has a right to choose who he chooses to choose. But when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask God, why did you choose to choose the people you chose to choose? Because I would have never chose some of you. <laughs> he didn't choose many wise. Yo, good thing you wouldn't be up there today. <laughs> he didn't choose... He didn't choose the people that we think he should have chose. He didn't come from the town that... And so Jesus is also saying, don't despise small things. And the, the second parable, the grain and the weeds, the wheat and the tares, they discovered that they was believers and then they were make-believers all together. Like I said, there's times that we probably look a little more like tares than we do wheat. And... God's not finished with us yet, but there will come a day that we will bear fruit after its kind, which of the seed of Jesus Christ. And one day we will be like him. So don't judge me now. He's working on me. He's not through with me yet. And so even though you sow and the enemy comes in at night and plants weeds among you, don't let it keep you from sowing. Don't let it keep you from sowing. Keep on sowing anyway, even though you may have a good percentage of your crop could be weeds. Keep on sowing anyway. Then we find the third thing. Now Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven will start small but grow very quickly. And he's talking about a mustard seed. He talked about it being the smallest of herbs. It's really an herb, and an herb normally don't get... Some people take a little square thing about the size of a piece of plywood, and they, I've started an herb garden. Well, it wouldn't work with mustard seed, not a biblical mustard seed, because it grew two times the height of a man. And it grew so big that birds could come and perch in the, in the, in the mustard seed. And, you know, we think, well, what does the birds mean, you know? The birds means that the enemy comes to the mustard seed and sets in the branches. 
You know, there's a guy who lives next door to me. He's got a, a St. Francis. Somebody told me in first service, he's the saint of the birds. And, uh, and, he's, he's, and he's got a bird feeder out there. And he's got all this stuff and seed. And, you know, he, all these birds come and sit on his... But the only problem is his bird feeder and all is only about 10 feet from my boat. <laughs> so after those birds get really full, they go over there and relieve themselves on my boat. So don't, you know, don't, don't, feel mean, don't be mad at me because I'm not much of a bird lover. I don't like the fact that that's happening right there next to me. Well, most of the time, unless the bird is actually named like a sparrow, if the bird's not named, most of the time in the scripture, birds are known to be the enemy. Like when they're throwing, the bird came and took the seed. And he tells that this plant will start off as a seed and it'll grow very rapidly. And then eventually the birds would be, the, 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 this big mustard, even refer to it as a tree. Yet it's not really a tree, it's a, this huge herb. The birds will come. And you look at it, the early church, then is this some kind of eschatology story about the end time and he's telling it you little disciples you're starting small you're not the wisest you're not the smartest but you've got the seed of God that you're sharing and because of that great and powerful things are going to happen in your life it's not about you it's about the seed there's power innate power in the seed there's something powerful in the seed and something wonderful going to happen and so you just share this seed don't worry about the outcome I'll worry about that but they start off and they start off very quickly. And their main guy gets killed. Jesus. Jesus. And you go to the book of Genesis and you realize that they refer to this soil, this place as the earth or the world or the garden. And God started off in, with his offspring, Adam and Eve, in a garden. And in this garden, they were deceived. But first, Adam and Eve was after his kind. They were like God. They lived in a garden. And they were uh, bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. Uh, and they were in like kind of God. And in the garden, Adam and Eve. And he said that they would reproduce after their kind. And if you go through the Word of God, you find that the animals reproduce after their kind. Aren't you glad that you don't go and like... Uh, this, I know this is a kernel of corn, but I'm going to plant it in the garden, and we're just going to all wait and see what comes up. It could be corn, it could be a watermelon. No, you get what you put, what you put in, you reap what you sow. If you sow corn, you're going to get corn. If you sow watermelon seeds, you're going to get watermelon. So they were all after their kind. Isn't it amazing in that little tiny seed, everything, all, everything that needs the color the kind of fruit, how long it takes to germinate, how long it takes to reproduce, all of that is in that tiny seed, right there in the seed. And if you put it in the ground, when the, the earth gets a certain temperature, not before, not after, but at a certain temperature, it germinates and the seed comes forth. And everything that that seed needs to know is in that seed. And it produces something exactly after its kind. Adam and Eve was after God's kind, but then they sinned. And that seed was destroyed, was messed up, was fallen. And so he says, I'm, I'm going to fix this thing. I'm going to send the seed of a woman. Well, we know that biologically the woman doesn't have the seed. The, the male has a seed. 
So we know something strange about that, but there's coming a seed of a woman. And when that seed of the woman comes, it will take, and that seed offspring will bruise Satan's head with his heel. He's going to overpower Satan. So Jesus comes, and Mary is told that she's going to have a child. And she said, I've never been with a man. That's all right. Supernaturally, there's this seed going to be put in you. The seed of the Son of God. And guess what? What's going to come out of that seed? What's going to be birthed out of that seed? It's after His kind. You're going to be the children of God because you've got the seed of God in you. In that seed is everything that you need to become a child of the living God. In that seed. All that. And so even baptism is symbolic of us going down into the ground. We no longer live. Most of the time they used to change the name of a person that was baptized. They would go down. Dennis Daniels no longer lives, but Christ liveth in him. Come up, Paul said, I... Paul, Saul, does, I don't live anymore, but Christ Jesus liveth in me. And so what Paul said, God already sees me as holy. God already sees me as righteous. God already sees me in heaven. God already sees me at the right hand of the Father with Him. God already saw these things because it was innate in the seed of God. We're children after His likeness. I'm telling you, I may not look like it now, but one day I'm going to look just like Jesus. And you're going to look just like Jesus because the very power and the innate nature of God is in you. You know, in John's writing said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. You know, what the commentary meant to say was, no, he meant you're a liar if you say you have no sin in you. But later in that same book, he says, if you say you have no sin, he said, you're, but, he said it, but if you sin, but if you sin, the love of the Father is not in you. That the, and he talked about the seed of God. You, you don't have the nature of God. You don't have the seed of God in you. And what he's saying there, if you habitually sin, if we can have the seed of God's very nature in us and we sin and we don't hang our head and we don't cry and we don't have some godly sorrow that you've disappointed an almighty God, something's wrong. You may need to question whether you're the wheat or the tare. Whether you're the believer or the make-believer. Because real believers, when they really sin, they really feel bad about it. They have godly sorrow and they want to get it right. They want to repent. They want to turn back to God. They can't live with themselves knowing that they disappointed a holy God. It's like Peter. Peter said, I'll never deny you. Many times we make statements like that. I'll always serve you. I'll never deny you. I'll never mess up. And of course we do. So Peter, he messed up and he went back to his old life. And Jesus, when he was raised from that grave after three days, like he said he would, after the sign of Jonah, he said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Why? Because Peter felt godly sorrow. Peter felt like he was worthless. He felt like he was a nothing. He felt like he's a failure. He didn't measure up. And Jesus knew that. He said, go tell the disciples and Peter that I'm risen. It's going to be okay. And because he is risen and that divine nature dwells in us, we're all going to be okay if we are a true child of the living God. We can't help but to come forth seed after his seed, kind after his kind. We're going to be just like him one day.
We're going to be just like him one day. And he talks about how this seed is going to start and it's going to go very quickly. What happened to the early church, the disciples? They preached the gospel and then right away, the day of Pentecost, the Spirit fell and the church just kind of blew up. There was 3,000 and 5,000 and multitudes innumerable. That sound like a, a mustard seed just exploded, just blew up. And so I don't know if the commentators are right, if this is some kind of eschatology, end time story in a story. But it kind of makes sense. And then the church grew and then they hated the church. You know, we always, I went to, to Israel and they got big old statues of prophets. And you can go and see this statue of this prophet. And you can see a statue of that prophet. And you can see a statue of that prophet. And even Jesus. Statues of, but here's the thing. You know when the person was actually there as the prophet, they all hated his guts. We normally hate the reformers. When Martin Luther decided to come against the Catholicism and the Catholic Church, he was not liked by a lot of people. There's a statue about him in, in Germany. He was hated. He was despised. He had to hide out. He hid out to save his life. But every time in history when the church was considered dead, wiped out, to everybody else, it looked like success. It looked like failure for the church. When Jesus died on the cross... Did it not look like the most horrible thing that ever could happen in the history ever? That the Son of the living God died and he was accused and he went through six trials and he was put and, and taken down and put in a grave? But they did not know this was all in the plan of God because not only is he the sower, he is a seed. And the devil didn't know it, but he put the wrong seed in the ground because when that seed came up, it started a whole new generation of people after a divine nature, after God's divine nature. The church began to grow, but around 310 A.D., this guy named Constantine had a vision of a cross and this thing, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. And then that same area there in Rome where they had been beheaded the Apostle Paul, now they're going, oh, we love all the Christians. We're just going to make everybody Christians. The whole town's going to be Christian. We're going to, we're going to, it's going to be a requirement. You, everybody's got to be a Christian. And you go, that's the greatest day in the history of the church. Not necessarily. Talks about be careful when everybody speaks well of you. Be careful when everybody speaks well of you. Because sometimes when people are speaking well of you, you may not even be doing God's will. And then sometimes when it appears that everybody hates your guts, you may be in the center of God's will. Your darkest day may be the very day that you die to yourself and God raises up a new you with a divine nature, a, a, a nature of reform in you that changes the world. It's amazing. One time they was asking this great theologian, he was in his class teaching his uh, class, and they asked him, they said, out of all your study of scriptures, you've, you've studied the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you've written volumes about it, tell me, tell me if you will, what's the most important discovery you've ever found in scripture? He said, the most important thing I've ever discovered in, in the entire Bible was, 
Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. It doesn't get any better than that, folks. That Jesus could love the nobodies. The, the people that's not the smartest uh, people. They're not the sharpest people in the shed. They're not the, they're not the, the best. God loves you anyway. He put his divine nature in you. And he knows what we're going to become. And we are becoming. It's what seed you got. If you got the seed of the, the devil, your, he said your father, your father is the father of lies. And, and if you've got the seed of the devil in it, you're only going to get worse. You're going to take on his divine nature as well. His undivine nature, you might say. You're going to be like Satan. But if you've got the nature of Jesus Christ, you're going to be like him. You can't help from it happening. And I was thinking about this mustard seed, and there's all, like I said, the commentary is all over the place. This mustard seed, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could say unto this mountain, be thou removed. How many has ever prayed for something and it didn't happen? But did it not happen or it didn't happen yet? You know, it seems to be the seed is important. You need to sow. You need to sow when one-third of the seed may not, may not be ready to hear it yet. Their heart may not be right. You need to sow when somebody's going to come in right behind you and sow weeds. I know what some of you are going to say when you go out of here today. They're going to ask you, how was the message? You're going to say, so-so. <laughs> but I'm ready. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for it. <laughs> But the, the thing about the mustard seed that I didn't know, you know, the, the botanists would say, well, that's not the smallest seed in the world. Well, it was the smallest seed where Jesus was at that time in that area of the country. And it's considered a herb, but it grows to this, this so big that the birds, all the places. And so was this some kind of eschatology view that the birds are going to come and they're going to sit in the trees? And some even refers to, you know, there's organizations where they're, executive their their leaders are wear these beautiful costumes or these beautiful robes and they call themselves cardinals that's what one commentary said i didn't say that the commentary said that and you know they always shed light on the word of god i'm saying some of these people that's just their thinking but we do realize the church grew very quickly and when the church grew very quickly and it became very popular and it was the thing to be you know we've had some popularity in christianity even all the athletes when they run across the line they go thank you god you had nothing else to do today but help me make a touchdown way to go And you know, I don't know if you know it, you go to NASCAR and they pray, they pray before the race. And they used to pray in Congress. <laughs> they used to pray in school. But this mustard, there's some things I didn't know about the mustard seed. The mustard seed is the meanest little seed in the world. <laughs> The mustard seed is one tough seed, I'm telling you. Did you know that the mustard seed is so durable that once it's planted and it starts overtaking the land, uh, what's that, uh, that plant that just crawls all over the mountains? Kutsu. 
How many has ever seen just kutsu just take over a mountain? Well, this little mustard's a lot like kutsu. Once it gets started, buddy, it's, it's, it goes to it. There were some countries back then that refused to let anybody plant any mustard in their entire country. Because the mustard was one little tough seed. They said that once mustard got started, it was the one seed that if you were to burn the land, you just take and just burn up everything in its way, that one of the first things that would come back and you would see reappear is mustard. I don't know about you, but I want to be like that little mustard seed. I want to be like that little mustard seed. You knock me down, I just want to get right back up. There's a miracle in a seed. Calvin White used to say all the time, he goes, any fool can count how many seeds are in an apple. But only God can tell you how many apples are in a seed. I've thought that about that many, many times. We was at my mother's birthday, and you know, my mom and dad, they had three children. They had Dennis, David, and Deanna. Our, we got married, and now us kids, between all of us, we've got six kids. So they got six grandkids. So now there's, there was three, and my mom and dad, that's five. Now we're married, and we got six grandkids between us, or kids between us. And then... We have their great-grandkids. There's ten great-grandchildren. So now what we used to be able to put in a Volkswagen and go on vacation takes a room that holds like 35, 40 people. What happened? That little seed got started. You realize how powerful that is? How amazing? And you know... My mom is 80, my dad's 81, in January 82. And you, you take and you think about, I don't know how much longer they'll live, but the families are growing. Is, is this saying that, like the leaven, this woman took and she took and she took this leaven and she began to work it in 60 pounds of flour and she kept working it and working it and pretty soon it just takes over. It just takes over. How many's ever worked yeast into anything? You know, the Old Testament, when they were fixing to get out of Egypt's bondage, I know we use unleavened bread to recognize the, you know, coming out of Egypt's bondage. But he said, you don't have time. You ain't got time to work any yeast in. You're just going to have to eat it, eat it without any yeast. You don't have time for that. We're getting out of here. We're getting out of Egypt's bondage, out of sin. I'm telling you, God, when he decides to do things, it happens. And when God says, here's how the most powerful thing on the earth is seed. Because it will produce after its own kind. And this seed can grow very quickly. And it can be like the mustard seed, almost un indestructible. And so the, the mustard seed grows. We can have a growing faith. If you have the faith of a grain of mustard seed, and it, if it's a growing faith, you're going to get stronger and stronger. You're going to get stronger. Did you know that I was reading this, I thought it was interesting. Back in the Old Testament, people really thought highly of themselves. In, the, in, the, in, in historic, history, people thought very highly. Did you know this guy, his name was Alexander the Great? I think, why don't we do that today? Like Pastor Dennis the Great. 
Uh, be good. I mean, I mean, why, why did we quit before it got to me in history? You know, it, it would be great. Like Shane the Great. Don't that sound good, Shane? Shane the Great. But then there's this guy from Persian, the king of Persian, came, and his name was Darius. And uh, Darius, Darius, he called himself Darius the Great. So now you got two greats, and the, the, the world ain't big enough for two greats. Maybe one great, but he said, I tell you what, I'm the great. Who do you think you are saying you're the great? Sound like a, starting on a you know, wrestling match, you know? <laughs> and so, who you, who you saying you're the great? I'm the great. And so, this Darius, Darius the great, he, king of Persia, he sent this box of sesame seed. And he wanted it. It was like special delivery for Alexandra. I don't even know if he put great on there, but Alexandra. And so when he opened the box, of course he wanted the seed to just go out all over the desk or the whatever he opened it on. He just wanted the seed to just fall out everywhere. And there's a little note in there, I'm coming for you, and we're going to be like this sesame seed all over you. We're coming after you. We're going to be like sesame seed all over your bun. <laughs> I don't know if they had buns back then, but I mean, he was serious. <laughs> and so Alexander the Great took that as a huge offense, like you should. And he goes, well, I'll tell you what I'll do. He got even a bigger box, and he filled it with mustard seed. And, you know, there's a different kind of mustard seed across the world. But, you know, Indian food has got that curry. It's got that hot, hot taste. That's the, a certain kind of black mustard seed that's really hot. It'll set you on fire. And so... Alexander the Great, before he sent, he made all his men chew some of that mustard seed and it set their mouth on fire. And he said, Get fired up. We're fixing to go take it to Persia and the king of Persia. We'll show you who's great. And it's not the king of Persia. I'm telling you. And he was all beefed up and got all his guys. And he went and he sent this mustard seed and he told them, We're coming after you and we're hotter than fire, going to be on your case. And he went, and Alexander the Great and his army went and destroyed all of uh, uh, all this king of Persia, destroyed it, and he barely got out of town. I want to be like that mustard seed right there. When the devil comes at me, I want to be like, who do you think you are, devil? I'm serving Jesus the Great. And he said, I'm like one more bad mustard seed. And I can grow fast. And I can, I won't say what rhymes with fast, but I can take care of you and I can run you out and you can set it on fire and I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm bad mustard seed. I really am. I may be little, but don't despise little things when God's with it. See, God don't need us to be great. We just get to go along for the ride. God's already great. He's already great. And no matter what you're battling, I want you to, if you would go back in time and look at what appeared to be the greatest days in the church, many times was the worst day in the church. The day the church was totally accepted by government people around the world, it was not a good day. In China today, they burned down churches and they're trying to run out Christianity. They're having the greatest revival ever in China. In Iran... You know, all that they're doing and they're trying to get rid of Christians. In Iran, there's like a thousand Muslims a day coming to Jesus Christ. 
So what many times appear as being the greatest day in history is not the greatest day in history. When the enemy looks like he's winning, most of the time he's not winning. God's winning. So don't judge where you're at in life. You may be going the worst, through the worst time in your marriage. You may be going the worst time in your health. You may be going through the worst time in your job. But I'm going to tell you, don't despise what God's trying to do in you. God may be totally rearranging your life because he's got something special. You've got to remember, if you're a child of the living God, you've got the divine nature in you, and he's got plans for you. I have plans for you, and they're not plans to harm you. These are great plans for you. I'm going to do something great in you. Don't fight me. Just die to my will and see what I do in your life. Makes me feel better about the mustard seed. The word of God. One thing Jesus was the seed. And the seed has to die before it comes forth. Maybe we're one death away from being something great for God. Maybe if we just die out something could happen. You know, he told them, just cast the seed. Well, what if it falls in? Well, maybe it will. It may fall in some weeds. It may fall in some, some vines. It, just cast the seed. Well, don't I have to go to college before I know how to cast the seed? Maybe I'll cast the seed like that, and you're supposed to cast it like that. No, just cast the seed. Just sow the seed. Sow the seed. I'll do the rest. Sow the seed when nobody wants you to sow the seed. Sow the seed when it seems like no one's listening. Sow the seed when it seems like everything and all the cares of the world is choking out people's desire. One thing he said, he said, sow, sow, and keep on sowing. Then he said, he said, if you keep on sowing. And he said, then we need to get involved. We need to be actively like you. Yeast is active. He said, so we need to go. We need to grow. We need to grow. We need to go. We need to keep hearing the word. Another thing Calvin told me one time, I said, Calvin, you got the most beautiful grass I've ever seen. Why is your grass so beautiful? And he goes, well, one thing I don't cut it so short. He said, the, if you'll lift that blade up, if you've got three inches of uh, grass, then you've got at least three inches root system. He told me that. And I said, well, okay, that's a good idea. I'll write that down. And he said, another thing, every time you sow, I mean, every time you mow, sow. Every time I mow, sow. Yeah, he said, you should keep throwing them seeds in there. Why do you do that? Because if you keep sowing and you keep sowing, you'll get so much grass so tight that there's no room for the weeds. I was thinking, oh my God, that's why you need to get in the Word of God. That's why you need to study the Word, listen to podcasts, come to church, listen to sermons. You need to be so full of God's powerful, powerful Word that there's no room for no weeds. Because you're so full of the seed. Just say this, if I'm full of seed, there's no room for weeds. And if I keep going, I'll keep growing. Go to church when you feel like it. Go when you don't feel like it. I heard this story. I'm going to end with this today. You know, you always say you reap what you sow, and that always seems to be a negative. It's not a negative. Man, when you realize that the divine nature of God, we're these tough little mustard seeds, and we can grow very quickly, and we can be very powerful. And, and, and you know, you ever buy a plant that goes, this plant right here is drought resistant. Well, why would you want to buy any other plant? <laughs> this grass is uh, drought resistant. Or like, this plant right here has to stay in the shade most of the day. Well, I don't want you, little plant. Because the sun may hit you and you die. 
I want a tough little plant. I want something that'll hang in there. Heard this story, though, this successful businessman was growing old, and he knew it was time to choose a successor to take over the business. Instead of choosing one of his directors or his children, he decided to do something different and called a young, the young executives in his company together. He said, it's time for me to step down and choose the next, C, next CEO. I have decided to choose one of you. The young executives were shocked, but the boss continued. I'm going to give each one of you a seed today. One very special seed. I want you to plant the seed, water it, come back here one year from today with what you've grown from the seed and I've, that I've given you. And I will then judge the plants that you bring. And the one I choose will be the next CEO. One man named Jim was there that day and he, like the others, received his seed. He went home and all excited, told his wife. She helped him to get the right pot and the right soil and the compost and planted the seed. Every day he would water it and watch it, watch it grow, see if it has grown. But about after three weeks, some other executives began to talk about their seeds and the plants that were beginning to grow. Jim kept shaking his seed, but nothing was growing. Nothing had grew. Three weeks, four weeks, five weeks went by still. Nothing. Nothing. By now others were talking about their plants, but Jim didn't have a plant to talk about. He felt like a total failure. Six months went by, still nothing in Jim's pot. He just knew he had killed that seed. Everyone else had trees and tall plants, but he had nothing to show for his labor. Jim didn't say anything to his colleagues. However, he just kept watering and fertilizing the soil. He wanted so badly to, for the seed to grow. A year finally went by. All the young executives of the company brought their plants to the CEO for inspection. Jim told his wife that he wasn't going to take an empty pot, but she asked him to be honest about what happened. So Jim felt sick to his stomach. He was going to be the most embarrassed Biggest embarrassment uh, moment of his life. But he knew his wife was right. He took his empty pot to the boardroom. When Jim arrived, he was amazed at the variety of plants grown by the other executives. They were beautiful, all shapes and sizes. Jim put his empty pot on the floor and many of his colleagues laughed and felt sorry for him. When the CEO arrived, he surveyed the room and agreed. Agreed to all the young executives. Jim just tried to hide in the back of the room. My, what great plants and trees and flowers you have grown, said the CEO. Today, one of you will be appointed the next CEO of the company. All of a sudden, the CEO spotted Jim at the back of the room with his empty pot. He ordered the financial director to bring him to the front. Jim was terrified. He thought, well, maybe the CEO is going to fire me for my failure. Maybe, maybe I am fired. When Jim got to the front, the CEO asked him what had happened to his seed. Jim told him the story. The CEO asked everyone to sit down except Jim. He looked at Jim and then announced to the young executives, Behold, here is your next chief executive officer. His name is Jim. Jim couldn't believe it. Jim couldn't even grow his own seed there. How could he be the new CEO, the others asked. Then the CEO said, 
One year ago today, I gave every one of you in the room seed. I told you to take the seed and plant it, water it, and bring it back to me today. But I gave you all boiled seeds. They were all dead. It was not possible for any of them to grow at all. All you except Jim have brought me trees and plants and flowers. When you found that seed would not grow, you substituted another seed for the one I gave you. Jim was the only one with the courage and the honesty to bring me a pot with my seed in it. Therefore, he is the one who will be the new chief executive officer. See, if we plant honesty, we'll reap trust. If we plant humility, you will reap greatness. If you plant hard work, you'll reap success. If you plant forgiveness, you will reap reconciliation. If you plant faith in God, you will reap harvest. So be careful what you plant now. It will determine what you will reap later. Some of us sit here today and we ask ourselves, where's our success? Where's my plant? What have I got to be happy about, proud about? I'm telling you, the Bible said, don't become weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Some of the times the greatest thing you can do is be like that mustard seed and hold on. Hold on. You know, all an oak tree tree is, a great oak tree, is a nut that decided not to give up. It's just a nut that decided not to give up. We need a bunch of nuts for Jesus. Your success is not what means the favor of God. It's your faithfulness. Paul told Timothy, Timothy, find faithful men who shall be able. We want to bring our ableness to God. God, look at my ableness. You probably should call me Dennis the Great. Jesus said, if you want to be the great in my kingdom, you be the least. We bring, come to God and say, God, I don't have anything that's worthy of you. Nothing in my hand simply to the, you know, nothing in my hand I bring simply to the cross I clean. God, if you can use this nut, if you can use this mess, if you can use me, God, use me. Just don't refuse me. God, surely there's something I can do for you. I'll be faithful, Lord, over the little things. He said, if you're faithful over the little things, you'll be faithful over bigger things one day. May not be in this life, but what God, I believe, is saying in this, don't despise small beginnings. Don't despise little efforts. The person that decided to get out of debt, it took little actions per week. Well, it don't seem like I've got anywhere yet. Don't say, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it, stay with it. You know, because I'm working the Dave Ramsey plan. Well, it don't work itself. You're going to have to work it little by little, day by day. That's the way Christians grow, day by day. Day in and day out. Hold on like that mustard seed. And you will grow into a faith that you want people will recognize. How did you do it? How did you make it through that marital thing? How did you make it through that, that job thing? How did you make it through that, that accusation? How did you make it through... I remember one of the darkest days of my life. I, was, I preached a message in a room of about 5,000 people. 
I was in an organization. They didn't like what I preached at all. I went home. Me and my wife fell across the bed and we cried really all night long because of my day. God had already told me it was going to happen. I just wasn't ready for it to happen. And just like that, I was gone out of that organization. I used to say I could drive from here to California and I'd have somebody's home to stay in. People I knew in a large ministry pool of people and we just got to know at conventions and I'd go... I'd go to Texas, I could stay with some. I went to Alabama, I could, Florida, I could stay with people. You know, Ohio, I could stay with people. I knew these people all over the country. And like overnight, it was all gone. And to me, that was one of the darkest days of my life, not to realize it was going to become one of the greatest days of my life. If you're a servant of God, hang on and see what God's going to do in your life. Don't give up. Don't become weary. Some of you struggling with a lot of things. Don't give up. God, He is greater than whatever you're going through. He is greater. His divine nature will win out. Don't give up any ground to the enemy. I'm, I'm, I'm just telling you that day. God's going to be your rescuer. He's going to help you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the example of the little tiny mustard seed. A little tiny bit of faith placed in a great God is indestructible. We may fail, but God never fails. God never fails. He'll pick us up and wipe us off, get us started again. We are very destructible, but with God's help, we become indestructible. We become unstoppable. We become unburnable. We become very very powerful, but not in ourself, hidden in Christ Jesus. God, please let somebody hear this today, Lord, that God is not through with you today. God is just getting started. God, I thank you today. God, if there be one here today that does not have that divine seed in them, the seed of Jesus Christ, faith in Jesus Christ alone, I pray today that they'll ask Jesus Christ in their heart. In Jesus' name we pray.